I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Tuesdays, wherever you may be, across this great country or this great land. We have got a bevy of stories to discuss with you today, uh, including big-time quarterbacks, free agents, potentially trade bait, where they're going. Uh, We got uh, racist amusement park rides. Beyonce banking big money, Joe Scarborough, George Santos, Damar Hamlin, Mike Pence, Josh Heupel getting $9 million a year, and Top Gun Maverick nominated for Best Picture. But we begin with the Damar Hamlin conspiracy theories. These are everywhere. Uh, there is a cadre of people out there that believe that Damar Hamlin was not actually at the Bills game against the Bengals on Sunday. When they showed him uh, in the luxury suite, when they showed him on camera, he had a hoodie, he had his mask up. You really couldn't tell who it was. And there are people who believe, I'm telling you the truth, there are people who believe out there that DeMar Hamlin died and that there is now an actor that is playing DeMar Hamlin. This is a conspiracy theory. I'm not making this up. It's been trending like crazy. DeMar Hamlin himself addressed it in some ways, posting a photo standing alongside of a uh, mural in Buffalo with the hashtag clone on it. Now, the easy way to solve all of this is for DeMar Hamlin to do some form of sit-down interview. I don't know uh, when that is likely to happen or if that is likely to happen. I will tell you this. I am not anti-conspiracy theory. I certainly understand, especially over the last several years, when related to COVID, everything that I started telling you years ago was labeled a conspiracy theory. We just had um, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, former CIA director, on. And he said it's a near certainty that COVID leaked from a lab. That used to be totally unacceptable to say. It used to be totally unacceptable to say that you, if you got the COVID shot, you would neither get nor transmit COVID. Uh, That that was not true based on the data. You couldn't say that. If you compared COVID to the flu, you were shouted down. If you said, hey... I think it's going to have really significant negative long-term consequences to keep kids out of school and the data reflects that we likely didn't protect anyone, unacceptable to say. If you said, hey, masks as people are wearing them does nothing to protect people from COVID by and large, you weren't allowed to say that. If you pointed out, hey, you can take your mask off to eat in a restaurant, but you have to wear a mask when you walk to your restaurant table. You weren't allowed to say that. If you said on an airplane, you take your mask off to eat, that's not allowed. If you said, I don't know that you need to wear a mask outside. So that wasn't allowed. That wasn't permissible. You were a conspiracy theorist. 
Conspiracy theorists have got a series of big wins, right? All of those things that I told you now consider to be conventional scientific wisdom. The DeMar Hamlin conspiracy, however, is a bridge too far for me. I do wish that he would just end it, right? Take a photo, do an interview, uh, you know, kind of eliminate this idea that he's dead or that there's an actor playing him. Now, I believe that conspiracy theories can be true sometimes. Um, But usually someone benefits from a conspiracy theory. That is, certainly Moderna and Pfizer benefited in a big way from the conspiracy theory being shut down that their uh, COVID shot didn't do that much to protect people. They made billions of dollars by having all of the science apparatus line up behind them and share that. Uh, It would have been a conspiracy theory on Hunter Biden, you know, the laptop, people claiming that it wasn't real. Well, Joe Biden got elected president and a lot of the people that claimed that that Hunter Biden laptop wasn't real, they ended up getting prominent jobs. I believe that conspiracy theories can exist. Usually there is a beneficiary, however. And I don't see any beneficiary to this. So DeMar Hamlin is like, it, 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 like there's somebody pretending to be DeMar Hamlin at the Bills-Bengals game. If DeMar Hamlin hadn't been present at the Bills-Bengals game, like he was not present at the Bills game in their wildcard round in the first win that they got, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal because it wasn't a big deal when he wasn't there for the Dolphins-Bills game. So I just don't buy into there being anything to be gained at all. And I certainly don't believe that you've got hospitals lying about uh, about the fact of whether he lived or died. Like, all that's crazy, all right? So conspiracy theory, I'm not somebody who just shuts, shuts them all down. But when you actually look at the data and the logical impact and the beneficiaries, I don't see it. I think it's DeMar Hamlin. Put me down in the camp of DeMar Hamlin was at the Bills-Bengals game um, and I wish he wouldn't play into the conspiracy theory. I wish he'd just sit down for an interview. And maybe one reason he's not sitting down for an interview is maybe his vocal cords were damaged from having all the tubes down his throat, all those things. I'll say the same thing about DeMar Hamlin that I think is significant. I'm way more troubled by people coming out and saying, you can't talk about whether the COVID shot might have been involved in any way in his heart-related condition than I am anything else about DeMar Hamlin from the get-go. But I am not a member of this DeMar Hamlin conspiracy theory. Uh, so, maybe some interesting stories here. There's a report out there that Aaron Rodgers is potentially on the trade market, but that he would not be traded in the NFC that an AFC team, the Packers, might be willing to move. If it were an AFC team, I can see the Jets, the Titans, Colts, probably other teams as well, without settled quarterback situations, making calls to try to figure out whether he could make sense for them. Um, I would love to see Aaron Rodgers with the Titans. Yesterday, you heard me arguing that unless you have an incredibly elite quarterback, you have almost no chance to win at a high level. The combo of Aaron Rodgers with Derrick Henry, if the Titans went and drafted another young wide receiver in the first round, maybe a left tackle, somebody on the offense to help out, 
would be somewhat intriguing for me personally to see. Um, But the AFC is so stacked. If I were just giving Aaron Rodgers career advice, I would say you want to be in the NFC. You want to be competing uh, in the side of the bracket, basically, where there are no stud quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes isn't there. Joe Burrow isn't there. Josh Allen isn't there. I would give the same advice to Lamar Jackson. I would want to be trans, uh, tr- traded out of the AFC if I were Lamar Jackson. And I said the same thing. I'll talk about Tom Brady in a sec, but I don't understand why you would want to go from the NFC where the best young quarterback is probably Jalen Hurts, and he's not even that well proven. He's had one good year. Whereas the AFC is stocked with seven or eight quarterbacks who have performed at an elite level especially if you count Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, uh, Russell Wilson, if you throw all those guys into the mix. I mean, the AFC is legitimately loaded. And so I'm not sure if I'm Brady or if I'm Rodgers that I want to get traded over to the AFC, particularly because those guys have played in the NFC their entire careers. But, but I would love to have him at the Titans and I would be curious what the asking price would be Uh, and what sort of trades might be capable of being made. There are rumors, and look, I'm on on the board for this. I said that I thought Tom Brady would leave the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if he leaves the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, to me, there are three teams that would make the most sense uh, to him. Raiders, Dolphins, 49ers. And by the way, I could add the Raiders and the Dolphins to the target list for... uh, for Aaron Rodgers, too. Can you imagine Aaron Rodgers with the Dolphins throwing to Tyreek Hill, throwing to Jalen Waddle, Mike Gesicki? I mean, that would be pretty attractive to me if I were Aaron Rodgers. Also be attractive. You go back to the Raiders, you could be with Devontae Adams again. I don't know what his relationship is there. But Darren Waller, Josh Jacobs, that could make a lot of sense. Same thing for Tom Brady. To me, both of these aging gunslingers and Rodgers is quite a bit younger than uh, than Brady. Rodgers, I believe, is 39. Brady is sitting at 45 right now. So Aaron Rodgers, six years younger. I don't know how much more he wants to play, but you have to presume for both these guys that trying to win a Super Bowl is the reason why they would play. Certainly money matters, and banking as much money as you can when you're one of these guys and you're not going to be able. It's not like they're hedge fund guys, right? So if you're 45 years old and you're hedge fund, you're Ken Griffin with Citadel, well, you can continue to make gobs of money for years and years to come. So what happens one year is not necessarily a year that you have to maximize your earnings. But if you're a pro athlete and you've only got a few more years, maybe Aaron Rodgers does want to maximize his earnings. And if that's the case, then that also factors in in a major way in terms of salary cap ramifications. So that in and of itself is, I think, really intriguing uh, to break down as you continue to analyze this. Uh, But Aaron Rodgers, if he goes to the AFC, I hope the Titans make a big play for him uh, because I think Aaron Rodgers potentially is going to live in Nashville uh, post-play. This could allow him to be a legend here locally. Uh, And Brady to the Dolphins, to me, makes the most sense there. Okay, Uh, Mike Pence, while we were live on air today, 
uh, it was announced that Mike Pence has his own classified document scandal. Um, and scandal's probably an exaggeration, but he has reportedly got 12 classified documents inside of his home as well. To me, this just further solidifies my opinion that there's not going to be any charges brought on Donald Trump and potentially builds on the larger points that I made yesterday. Not only will there be no classified document charges for Donald Trump related to the Mar-a-Lago fiasco and the FBI raid, but also building on that even further, I don't think they're going to be able, Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice, to charge Trump related to January 6th because I think there's going to be such an expectation basically that everybody has committed in some form or fashion a crime related to their uh, their their tenure as a significant public uh, elected official. And so I would think that this basically is going to clear Trump. And so the only way Trump is not going to be the nominee in 2024 for the Republican Party is in the event, in the event that he is beaten in the primary season. We had Mike Pompeo on today. I think Mike Pompeo is going to run. I think Nikki Haley is going to run. I think Mike Pence is going to run. I think Ron DeSantis is going to run. Trump's already in. I think we're going to have, before all is said and done, double-digit people running against uh, 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 against theoretically Joe Biden. I also believe that Joe Biden's going to have at least one or two contenders in the Democrat Party running against him. I don't think Joe Biden's going to have a clean sweep with no opposition. I think there will be challengers for him. And that'll mean for the incumbent president, the first time that we've had a legitimate primary contest uh, since 1992. I think that is where we are headed uh, in that respect. A couple of other stories out here. Joe Scarborough, who is on The Morning Joe, a MSNBC show. This guy, Joe Scarborough, I've never met him. I don't know him personally. He used to represent the panhandle of Florida as a Republican congressman. Uh, and you know, you guys know this. I spend a ton of time down on the panhandle of Florida. I think it's the greatest place in the country. Beautiful beaches, uh, fantastic people. Uh, I love it down there. And so the idea that Joe Scarborough, who was the representative for all of the panhandle, could end up on MSNBC in the first place is crazy to me. Secondly, that he would end up on MSNBC and be a zealous advocate for the COVID shot is, I think, even crazier. Uh, And in particular, Joe Scarborough has now uh, come out and said, he said it today on his show, that he got COVID really badly. And that's despite the fact that he had three shots. And he now says if he had gotten the fourth shot, COVID wouldn't have impacted him very badly. This is crazy. Take it outside of COVID. If you got three shots for the measles and you still got the measles, I think a lot of people out there would be saying, wait a minute, I thought I got the vaccine here. And you can't mistake what they have tried to do here. They sold the idea that if you got the COVID shot, you would never get or spread COVID. That was the implicit direct argument made by Dr. Fauci and many others. You get the COVID shot, you'll never get COVID, and you won't spread it to someone else. That was their argument in early, late 2020, early 2021. 
get the COVID shot, COVID's over, never have an issue. Then it shifted to if you get the COVID shot, well, you may still spread it, but you won't get hospitalized and you won't die. That's also now not true. Hey, Clay Travis here. We'll be right back. But first, here's a word. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So is Joe Scarborough not looking at the data at all? Because back in early 2021, he was arguing to everybody, get the COVID shot, you nincompoops, and you'll never get COVID. He just came on air and said he had a really bad case of COVID despite the fact that he got three COVID shots and he wishes he had gotten his fourth shot because that would have protected him. He's crazy. The data reflects that at best you have a really short period of time to protect yourself from COVID even if you get multiple boosters and you still get COVID, you could still die of it. This guy's crazy. Um, and I wonder, like, how do they give away their brain power in favor of Pfizer and Moderna to such an extent that they don't even realize how ridiculous they sound? The first three shots didn't do it, but the fourth shot would have covered it. And now, make no mistake, basically Pfizer and Moderna get a yearly annuity of profit because they're now saying the COVID shot is basically like the flu shot. They're going to encourage you to get it every year. So there are going to be people out there, think about this, who end up getting the COVID shot like 50 times. And a bunch of those people are still going to get COVID and die of it. (laughs) And I'm sorry, I'm laughing. It's just what has to occur for you to realize that you bought a fraud? That this is like if you bought a car and the engine didn't start, over and over again, at some point you'd be like, this car's a lemon. They told me the car would work and now it doesn't. I'm going to take it back and get a new car. That's why we have lemon laws. Essentially, this COVID shot is a lemon. How many times does it have to not work for you to realize that it doesn't work? That that is the COVID shot. Just like if you bought a car and you kept trying to turn it on and the engine didn't come on, At some point, you'd realize you bought a car that didn't work, yet these Joe Scarboroughs are such COVID zealots that they're unable or unwilling to recognize that they are fools and that they have been bamboozled and that they were fraudulently induced to get a shot that didn't work. And they're such true believers that they're arguing that the next shot would have kept this from happening. They're like people who predict the end of the world And then when the end of the world doesn't happen on the day that they told you it would, they tell you that they actually meant the next year. That's what the Joe Scarboroughs of the world are arguing when they say, the first three COVID shots didn't stop me from getting a severe case of COVID, but the fourth shot would have. No, no, you are a fool and you have been played for a fool by both Pfizer and Moderna. The COVID shots flat out do not work or provide any protection to you. Now look, 
Beyonce just went to Dubai and played a concert for $24 million. All right, that is good work if you can get it. Beyonce is so famous, reportedly, that she got paid $24 million to do one concert. It's like her first concert in five years. I am a capitalist. Good for Beyonce. I congratulate you on your reported $24 million in Dubai. But Beyonce has consistently lectured us in the United States for not being welcoming enough of black queer culture. She has wagged her finger at the people of the United States over our own decisions in this country. And if you believe that to be true, that's your right. We get lectured all the time by celebrities on a variety of different issues. Even if you're a celebrity, you still have the right to share your opinions. But let me ask you this. Shouldn't you call out hypocrisy where you see it? That's what I do, right? I don't begrudge anybody. Company, individual, sports league, uh, business, whatever it is. If you want to make money in a foreign country and they have different uh, ways of life than us, I don't begrudge you from being a capitalist and doing that. I'll put myself in this category. Same reason I've defended everybody at Live Golf. Same reason I would defend Ronaldo or any of these soccer athletes who, uh, who work for companies that are owned by Middle Eastern Ventures. If, if right now they came to me and the Saudi Arabia said, hey, Clay Travis, we love your radio show. We love everything that you do with OutKick. Would you please come and do an event for us in Dubai, uh, in Saudi Arabia, in any country in the Middle East, Qatar? I'd say, sure. Like, let's figure out the contract. I'll go over there and I'll do it. It's not because I agree with every single political position of the Middle East. It's because I'm a capitalist and I sell my labor to the highest bidder. And within the construct of, does it fit my life? There's all the time, you know, candidly, I get invited to go speak here for this amount of money. And I'm like, yeah, I appreciate the offer, but that doesn't fit my schedule. I'm not going to be in that area. Uh, It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, all the time, right? But don't lecture me like the NBA has and like Beyonce has and like LeBron James has and like many other artists have and companies as well. Don't lecture me, Walt Disney, uh, Inc., here over the political opinions that I have in this country and then go over and do business with China. In the Middle East, where Beyonce performed for $24 million, they will still behead people for being gay, okay? If you're going to lecture the United States and be a black queer icon here, how in the world can you justify taking tens of millions of dollars from a Middle Eastern country that believes it's okay to behead gay people? That's a very valid question. So I don't begrudge people making that choice, but I do believe that if you lecture me politically and then make the expedient choice that makes you a lot more money, you deserve to be called out on that hypocrisy in a monster way. You can't wag your finger in the United States of America and argue that we are awful and then simultaneously go around the globe and play 
for countries that don't embrace anywhere near the same standard of human rights as we have here, which is why I believe it's 100% fair to go after Beyonce over this. Speaking of, this George Santos guy, this congressman from New York, every single thing that he said just about feels like it's a lie. Um, And they keep having new revelations about what George Santos did or didn't do. I don't have a strong opinion on this other than every two years a congressperson is up for re-election and if the constituents decide that they are poorly represented, then they get to elect a new congressperson. So given the fact that this is only two years, next year is going to be a brand new election. There will be a primary in what? Like probably a little bit over a year, like 16 months from now, they'll have a primary in this New York district and we'll see whether George Santos continues to represent that district or not. That's my opinion. I'm not a big fan of making people step down uh, in general. I'd let the democratic process play itself out. Having said that, what happens if George Santos just blows everything up and comes out and says the reason why he was telling so many lies is because he's actually transgender and he was trying to fight and create a magical world where he wasn't transgender in an effort to keep himself sane. How would Democrats respond if George Santos suddenly came out and said, hey, by the way, I'm transgender. I'm the first transgender elected congressperson in history. I think he would paint him into a corner. I don't think they could really question him because you're not allowed to question whether somebody is or is not in the wrong gender. And I think George Santos could just become a transgender hero. And I don't know how Democrats would be able to handle it by their own rules. Just tossing it out there. Uh, Splash Mountain is being shut down. This is so crazy. This is absolutely insane. Uh, First of all, amusement park ride that has been at Disney World for like a generation, right? There's probably a good chance if you've ever been to Disney World, you have ridden the Splash Mountain ride. It's one of the most popular rides. Today is evidently the last day that Splash Mountain is open, and there are four and five hour waits from people who love this ride, who love taking their kids on this ride. Uh, Evidently, the ride's connection to the Disney movie Song of the South, which, by the way, I watched. Um, I haven't finished watching. I started watching it. One of you sent the link to me. Disney has basically pulled it everywhere, and it's almost impossible to find, but it is a movie made by Walt Disney in the 1940s that involves uh, a plantation, um, and the was it Joel Chandler Harris did I, did I, the Uncle Remus character, um, if I remember correctly, I want to get this right because I remember studying it back in the day. Um, the Uncle Remus stories written by Joel Chandler Harris um, were wildly popular. Uh, these stories came out in the late 1800s, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, so July 20th, 1879, Harris published the story of Mr. Rabbit and Mr. Fox as told by Uncle Remus. It was published in the Atlanta Constitution, first of 34 plantation fables that was later compiled in Uncle Remus, his songs, and his sayings. 
And these were stories collected from uh, the African-American oral storytelling tradition. Uh, and they featured Br'er Rabbit, who used his wits. And a lot of you probably are familiar with Br'er Rabbit. There was also Brother Bear, Br'er Terrapin, Br'er Wolf. Um, and these stories were very, very popular. And they eventually led uh, to the... Uh, to, the, to a Disney movie that was based on these stories. And they are featured in this uh, Splash Mountain ride. Now, most people don't know anything at all about the overall history of these stories, and they just ride Splash Mountain for the reason that I enjoyed it, which is if you've got kids, it is a long ride. It is a ride out of the, the Florida heat, and it's really an enjoyable uh, experience. They now are changing the entire ride to base it on New Orleans. And this idea, I just I think it's important to fight back against this idea that things which are in no way racist, okay, this is important, in no way is this amusement park ride r- racist. This is a form of like woke ideology. It's wokeism as a religion. And this is not that much different, honestly, than what you see from these crazy Taliban members who are deciding that if there is an image they don't like, they destroy it, right? Destruction and tearing down of something based on a remote connection to something else is a form of idiocy. And so the fact that Disney would fall victim to this is unfortunately, I believe, further evidence of the woke Disney corruption and the fact that you won't just stand up for a ride that black, white, Asian, Hispanic kids of all different backgrounds have loved and enjoyed and that you would shut down a ride for months, maybe even a year or more, to completely remake it is, I think, an incredible flaw of the modern era that we find ourselves in. A couple of other stories. I should also let you know, by the way, I forgot to mention this yesterday. I'm back with wins and losses. These are long-form conversations that I think many of you will enjoy. I put one up on Saturday with Alexi Lawless. It's kind of about the history of American soccer and where we go uh, going forward, sort of using Alexi Lawless's career from the 1994 World Cup up to what will soon be the 2026 World Cup when uh, we will have uh, the World Cup back in the United States. What has that 32-year horizon meant for American soccer? Where are we now? Where are we headed? I think it's a really fascinating question. Um, But that's up. I'm about to talk with Miranda Devine uh, from the New York Post for a deep dive into the reporting around the Hunter Biden, the entire cancellation process, the censorship. I think you're going to love it because I want to just have a long-form conversation all in one place about that history. But a couple of other uh, stories here. Josh Heupel has signed an extension with the University of Tennessee, which will pay him $9 million a year uh, and run, I believe, up to 2029. This will make Josh Heupel one of the 10 highest-paid college football coaches in America. Uh, Tennessee coming off of an 11-2 season, year two with him, top five uh, uh, season, 
finishing with a um, uh, with a top ten ish recruiting class, bringing in the number one quarterback recruit in the nation according to the on three consensus in Nico Amalavea. I believe I got his name right. Uh, theoretically returning Joe Mixon, top ten team coming back next year. I don't think this is too much of an exaggeration. I'm curious what the buyout details of this contract are, but some people would say, oh, this is a uh, this is an overreaction to one season. I actually disagree. I think Tennessee is going to be poised in the years ahead to be very, very good uh, at college football, back to top 10 caliber program status. We'll see if I'm right. I think Florida's on the downward trend Georgia certainly is the king of the college football kingdom right now. Uh, but I think Tennessee is going to be, it's an early prediction for you. I think Tennessee is going to beat Georgia in Neyland Stadium this year, uh, meaning in 2023. I think it'll be the only loss that Georgia has in the regular season. I think Tennessee will lose a couple of games, go like 10 and 2 uh, again next year, 9 and 3 caliber. Good, uh, but not great. Um, but I think Tennessee will beat Georgia in Neyland Stadium. So I think the Josh Heupel move is a good one uh, based on winning 11 games in year two. Uh, finally, Top Gun Maverick, nominated for an Oscar. Uh, I was looking at the odds of who's going to win the Oscars. You can actually gamble on this. Top Gun Maverick is 10 to 1. Here's what I would say. If Hollywood effectively wants to wave the white flag and acknowledge that they have gotten a tremendous amount wrong in terms of embracing woke culture over the past 15 years or so, giving the Oscar for Best Picture to Top Gun would be a seismic statement on how wrong they have been. Because what I love about Top Gun Maverick, and I said this when it came out back in May, I've been to see it in the theater more than once. Good, old-fashioned, awesome, experience of going to the movie theater like we had in the 80s like we had in the 90s just put on a good show a good movie and let us all enjoy it pro-america anti-woke film I think it's fair to say and even though we don't know exactly who the villains were anti-woke film that was tremendously entertaining Um, and so For everyone out there in Hollywood, the best way to kind of repudiate the culture that you have created, the censorious, cancel culture, America is awful universe, is to come out with a fabulous movie that has nothing other than entertainment on its mind and is very pro-USA. Hey, it's not bad to be in this country. I think that could change things in a big way and help to repair Hollywood's relationship with many parts of the American public. All right, I love all of you. I'll be back tomorrow, and then I'm headed out to Las Vegas, so I will not have a show Thursday and Friday. I'll be doing the radio show out in Las Vegas as well. My name is Clay Travis, DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. Thank you, as always, for supporting OutKick.